Hello and welcome all of my artists, writers, performers, and creatives of all kinds. This is Raven's Fine Art. My name is Raven Kushner, and we are going to be continuing our discussion of the book by Michael J. Gelb, which is How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci, Seven Steps to Genius Every Day. So our second step is demonstrazione, that is putting into practice what we know. So stay tuned. All right, so let's get into it. So the second of our seven steps to genius is demonstrazione. That is a commitment to test knowledge through experience, persistence, and a willingness to learn from mistakes. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road because it's very possible to think that you know something, but until you actually do it, you don't actually know it. And I think our education system really kind of emphasizes theory over practice. Most of our children's time in the educational system is spent sitting in a chair, looking straight ahead, being told not to talk, not to move, not to do anything other than what you're told. And it's very difficult to learn anything that way. And you certainly cannot learn to practice what you are learning that way. So what is wonderful about the Renaissance system that Leonardo had gone through is that it was all experience and it was also theory as well, but it was mostly putting um, what you learn into practice. So when you're an apprentice, you follow an uh, experienced leader in that particular field. Um, for Leonardo's um, experience, that was a painter who was very successful. So he had a team of apprentices working for him that would do the sort of grunt work um, and they would paint on his paintings and that's how Leonardo gained his experience. So Leonardo worked for a particular artist named Verrocchio and Verrocchio's studio emphasized experience more than theory. So apprenticeship was already a wonderful system, but when you are working for somebody who emphasizes experience over theory, you really are a step ahead because that person is going to make sure that you actually know what you're doing and that you don't just think that you know what you're doing. So this particular level of genius um, follows closely on the heels of the first one we went over last week, which is curiosita. So of course you need to be curious in order to activate your genius, but then it's important to put that into practice. So Leonardo's attitude definitely was that wisdom from others is valuable, but that is actually experienced by proxy. So it's not so much that he was against learning from theory. It's just that in his mind, um, that was just um, experienced by proxy. So meaning it's vicarious knowledge. You don't know something until you actually put it into practice. So he was of the mind that he studied things very carefully, but then he tested it by his own experience. And this for me really struck hard because I have always been somebody who definitely was very self-reflective, definitely skeptical and critical, 
not critical in a negative way, but just testing, wondering why we do things a certain way and not just swallowing things because that's what I learned. I would swallow what I learned outwardly. Like I was not actively rebellious or, you know, you know, arguing against people, but in my inside, in my mind, I was always questioning things, but I didn't have the confidence as a younger woman to actively question things. And now I definitely do do that. And one of the things that I was thinking about last night is the law of attraction. And I was watching a video about, um, from someone who's very skeptical of the law of attraction, who doesn't think that it's a, a good thing. And his point of view was really that it's been exploited. And I agree with that. It has been exploited by people who just want to make money and they kind of prey on the gullible and the desperate people who want to make money so badly that they will believe anything. And a lot of the law of attraction teachers say things that sound really great and that sound really magical because they're usually selling courses and mentorships, quote unquote, things like that. Um, and they teach those, um, their mentees to do the same thing, to create these bogus courses. <laughs> I think they're bogus because I think most of them aren't actually teaching you a skill. They're just teaching you to do what they're doing, which is to sell a hope and a dream. Um, but I put the law of attraction into practice. So it's one thing to either agree wholeheartedly with something or to disagree with it. But if you haven't actually tried it, whether you are um, in agreement or not in agreement, you can't really say. So if you are against the law of attraction, but you haven't put it into practice, then that's just as bad as somebody who's gullible and swallows it wholeheartedly and doesn't ever criticize or question it or put it into practice. So in my own life, I definitely feel that it is a real thing. I don't think it's a law though. Um, and that's an important distinction. A law is a scientific, a scientific principle that is repeatable <laughs> and you get the same result every time. And I read somewhere, it's a really cool, um, analogy that scientists, when they do an experiment, they should get the same result every time. An artist, when they do something, if 12 artists do the same thing, they're going to get 12 different results. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, so it's not a law, but it definitely is a principle. When you focus your mind on something 100%, you put our innate power of the brain um, into practice. So our brains have only begun to begun, uh, begun to be experienced and studied and known about. So scientists don't know that much about the brain, although they know a lot more than they used to know. Um, so our brains are unfathomable. They're extremely powerful and we've only begun to plumb the depths of what our brains are capable of. So definitely I think that when you focus on something with intensity and with passion and with emotion, um, it brings things that look like coincidences into uh, your life. And so it looks like, oh, I'm attracted these things into my life. But what, what's really happening in, in my opinion is that um, there are subtle things like our intuition is something that can't be scientifically repeated, but we know that it's there. So our intuition picks up on little subtle things that we're not consciously aware of. And those little subtle things go into our, it's sort of like memory. Like we think we don't know something, but then if we go under hypnosis, there are people who have remembered things that license plate numbers and things like that, that they did see 
but it's not something that was important to them at the time. So they didn't remember it consciously, but under hypnosis, when you get underneath the surface of the conscious mind, they were able to bring it back up, but they would never have been able to bring it back up if it wasn't there in the first place. So what the quote unquote law of attraction does, in my opinion, is that the little subtle things that we pick up that we're not aware of go into our brain and they can be retrieved when we back that up with emotion and with desire and with persistent focus. Um, so what looks like magic is really a natural phenomenon. Um, so, but you won't know that until you put it into practice. You'll either say that, oh, it works or it doesn't work. And you will ignore when it doesn't work. If you're a, a full on believer and you're gullible and you think, oh yeah, this is, you know, you know, thoughts create things. And, and I don't want any negative people around me and, and people go to extremes. And they think that they're, they're like superstitious about it. It's not that it's, it's a natural phenomenon. So you don't need to banish everyone from your life. You don't need to, Oh, I can't, I can't ever watch the news. I can't ever, Oh, don't talk to me about anything that's not positive because it's like, they think it's fragile. Like somehow their, their brain is going to collapse if they hear anything that's not positive. It's like, that's, that's superstition. And that that's not how it works. Um, how it works is you're feeding your brain information and you're backing it up with emotion. And what emotion does is it tells your brain that this is a high priority. And so you start noticing little things that you're not aware of in your conscious mind and you can bring them back when you need them. And so it looks like coincidence, but it's actually your brain working the way it's supposed to work. So that's just one example from my life of putting things that are theory into practice and seeing if they actually work for you. And if they work for you, then it's almost like you don't really need to go around preaching it to other people. If they don't believe it, then that's fine. They can just rely on, you know, their conscious mind and they'll, they'll be limited, but that's up to them. Or if they dump in, you know, wholeheartedly and they just believe everything that a law of attraction teacher tells them, even if it's ridiculous, it's like, that's their choice. But when you put it into practice for yourself, then you know what works and what doesn't and what makes sense and what doesn't. Always be skeptical. <laughs> your skepticism is not negative. It's not bad. It's, it's something that's used for your survival. So don't neglect that. And that is a big part of demonstrazione is practice. Um, so one thing that I thought was interesting about Leonardo is he, he, he was an extremist. I mean, not in a bad way, but when he believed something, he believed it. So he believed in demonstrazione and I really got a kick out of this one paragraph where he, he wanted this experience of creating a banquet. So let me just read this to you. So asked to preside as head chef for a major banquet, Leonardo created a grand plan for sculpting each course to be served to the more than 200 guests. The dishes were designed as miniature works of art. Leonardo built a new, more powerful stove and a complex system of mechanical conveyor belts to move plates around the kitchen. He also designed and installed a massive sprinkler system in case of fire. On the day of the banquet, everything that could go wrong did. Ludovico's regular kitchen staff weren't capable of the fine carving that Leonardo required. So the maestro invited more than a hundred of his artist friends to help out. In a vastly overcrowded kitchen, the conveyor system failed and then fire broke out. 
the sprinkler system worked all too well, causing a flood that washed away all of the food and a good part of the kitchen. Despite mistakes, disasters, failures, and disappointments, Leonardo never stopped learning, exploring, and experimenting. Wow. <laughs> okay, so Leonardo wanted to be the chef for the day, and he did it in Leonardo style. He wanted everything to be a little work of art. It failed miserably. So this is the downside of dimostrazione is that when you practice things that you are testing out theories that you're putting into practice, you are going to make mistakes. And I think this is the biggest barrier for dimostrazione is that we do not want to make mistakes. I think this also is the fault of our education system in which you are punished for mistakes with bad grades and ridicule. Um, but this is a part of life. You have to be willing to go there in order to practice dimostrazione. And as I said before, you don't know something until you put it into practice. So you have to be willing to make mistakes and to fail, quote unquote, if you want to learn anything, really, really learn it. So as I did last week, I'm going to go through the self-assessment that the book provides for us so we can test our level of dimostrazione. So the first in our self-assessment, the first question is, am I willing to acknowledge my mistakes? Number two, would my closest friends agree that I am willing to acknowledge my mistakes? Number three, do I learn from my mistakes and do I rarely make the same mistake twice? Number four, do I question conventional wisdom and authority? Number five, when a celebrity I admire endorses a product, am I more likely to buy it? Number six, can I articulate my most fundamental beliefs and the reasons why I hold them? Number seven, have I ever changed a deeply held belief because of practical experience? Number eight, do I persevere in the face of obstacles? Number nine, do I view adversity as an opportunity for growth? Two more. Number 10, am I sometimes susceptible to superstition? And number 11, in considering new ideas, would my friends and associates say that I am A, gullible and new agey, B, cl a closed-minded cynic, or C, an open-minded skeptic? All right, how did you do with Dimostrazione? Well, I took the self-assessment and I would say that um, I did pretty well a there were three of them that stood out to me. It said, when a celebrity I admire, when a celebrity I admire endorses a product, am I more likely to buy it? Now for me, I've never been into celebrities. Now I don't know if that's because I was raised in LA where celebrities abounded and so they were not particularly fascinating. Um, but I do think that I am more likely to buy something that someone I respect and admire promotes 
Um, the reason why I'm reading this book is someone that I admire, Dan Miller, recommended it. So definitely I am influenced by people that I respect, uh, which I don't think is anything bad. I think that's human nature. Um, but it does show that you have to be careful who you admire and follow because you are going to be more likely to do what they do and do what they recommend. Um, and then number eight, do I persevere in the face of obstacles? Now I know because I used to be more quote unquote spiritual, which was really more superstitious. <laughs> um, and I do think that when I faced an obstacle, I used to look at it as, oh, well, you know, God is telling me your spirit is telling me not to do this, that, and the other. Um, and that's a very shallow way of thinking. And I think that is promoted a lot of times in the new age, um, this kind of shallow way of thinking that any sort of obstacle is um, a message from the deep <laughs> that you're not supposed to be doing something, that everything is supposed to be fun and lightweight. And I don't think that's mature and it's not realistic. And there, whatever you do, no matter how passionate you are about it, there are aspects of it that are gonna be hard work and obstacles make you stronger. Um, you would never develop muscle if you didn't have resistance. Um, so no, that's, wrong thinking. So now when I face an obstacle, I don't assume that it's something that I'm not supposed to be doing. I assume that's just a part of life. <laughs> so I've grown in that area. And similarly, viewing adversity as an opportunity for growth, uh, same thing. So when we go through things that are less than optimal, that is our opportunity to become bigger and better than we were before. All right. So uh, like we talked about, the pitfall of learning from experience is mistakes. And one of the things that the book recommends in order to um, overcome the fear of making mistakes is stream of consciousness writing. And I thought this was really brilliant because I'm a big fan of journaling. I think journaling is a wonderful way to sort of make yourself a third party to yourself when it's written down on paper, regardless of what it is, whether it's a success or a failure, you're able to look at it more objectively when it's on paper. And stream of consciousness is really great because it's basically, you're not filtering yourself. You're not editing yourself as you write. You're just, as you're thinking, you're writing it. Um, so the writing exercise is what would I do differently if I had no fear of making mistakes? Now that's powerful. What would you do differently if you had no fear of making a mistake? Because this is the really the reason behind um, analysis by paralysis or vice versa paralysis of analysis when you just don't do anything because you thought about it so much and you focused on all the pitfalls that you just can't get started because it's sort of like if you do anything, if you were gonna go for a drive and you thought about all the horrible accidents that have ever happened, if you think about, oh, some people were decapitated in, in terrible car accidents, or you know, if you think about all the people who've died, if you think about that before every time you go out to drive, you would never drive. You don't think about that. What you think about is you gotta go to the store. <laughs> Okay, and that's all you're thinking about. You're not thinking about every little thing that could happen wrong. But whenever we're doing something new, we don't think about that. You know, we don't think about what we're trying to get done. We think about all the things that can go wrong um, if you get into the habit of doing that. And so um, if you think about what you would do if you had no fear of making mistakes, this can really kind of get you out of that habit of focusing on what you fear. Because if you focus on what you fear, you're not going to do much of anything. 
All right, and another exercise that the book recommends because the back of every chapter, as I mentioned last week, is a series of exercises that you can do, um, is creating your affirmations. Now affirmations can also have the kind of new agey um, stigma <laughs> of being airy fairy, but affirmations are just basically fine tuning your thoughts. So they're basically getting you to not think about all the bad things that can happen. It's quite the opposite. You're thinking about all the positive things associated with your goal. And what they did was in this, in the book, this exercise, they emphasized um, a different way of doing affirmations. So focusing on feeling instead of just I am statements. So uh, they, they um, created the example, I am patient with myself. Okay, so let's say you're trying to develop patience. So I am patient with myself. So when noticing your response to that is one thing. So that's a, a wonderful affirmation. But what about trying it this way? I feel patient with myself. I feel patient with myself. And notice your response. So I thought this was really cool because when you say I am patient with myself, it's almost intellectual. It's almost... Um, wrote like it doesn't really make that big of an impact and I think it's because we're always saying I am this I am that it, it's sort of like it doesn't have the same impact as saying I feel patient with myself because we don't say stuff like that very often so it makes you stop and think I what does that feel like I feel patient with myself so what that feels like is hey I'm generous with myself I feel patient with myself, meaning something happens and I don't beat myself up over it. Instead of I am patient with myself, I feel patient with myself. So when you tell yourself how you feel, not just how you are, the book says, you are more likely to feel what you say, allowing your affirmations to take hold on a deeper level. That's on page 89 of the book. So play with that. So think about some of the affirmations that you want to make and translate them into a feeling and see if that makes a difference in um, your ability to achieve that particular goal. All right. And the last thing that really stood out to me in the book was the definition of confidence, because I think that to practice demonstrazione, you have to have a level of confidence and the word confidence is a combination of two words, con, which means with, and actually that is the Spanish word for with, con, con, and fider, which is the word for trust. So with trust. And I thought that was really profound because to have confidence, it's basically saying that there is a level of trust that you have with yourself. Um, and that's borne out by your experience so when you have a bunch of negative experiences, it shakes your confidence because you feel like you've lost trust in yourself. So one of the best ways to gain confidence, which will give you the ability to do demonstrazione, to practice theories, is to, is to develop a level of trust with yourself. And the way to do that is not necessarily to tackle head on the problem that you're trying to tackle. So let's say you're trying to develop the ability to network um, or to change jobs and you feel like, well, I don't, I can't do that. I'm, you know, you're scared. You don't have confidence that you can get that done. 
So developing trust in yourself would be to not necessarily tackle that problem head on, but develop trust in yourself in smaller ways. So promise yourself that you will do something that you know that you can achieve. It's something very small, but not too small, like something that will have some sort of an impact, but that is not overwhelming to you. So maybe you'll say, I'm going to, for the next two days, I'm going to pack my lunch instead of buying lunch out. Now that may have nothing to do with your ultimate goal of changing jobs, um, but it is a way to be healthier and to save money. So, and it's a, a promise that's small enough that it takes effort, but it's not so small that it makes no impact. So if you do that, or even for a week, if you say you're going to do that for two days or seven days or whatever time frame you set for yourself, that's not too much and not too little, and then you do it, if you do stuff like that and then add another thing the following week or whatever, you will start to trust yourself. You will start to say like, hey, I told myself that I was going to do it and I did it. So the more you trust yourself, uh, the more confidence you will start to have. And then you can raise the bar and then you can say something like, well, I'm going to update my resume and I'm going to do it um, before five o'clock today. You set yourself a deadline. And if you do that, so you haven't applied for another job yet, you haven't taken the scary step, but you've done a little thing that moves you closer, that moves the needle and that provides a level of trust in yourself. So those are my takeaways from this week's reading. I thought Dimostrazione was excellent, was wonderful. And if you practice the, uh, pra putting into practice the theory of what you're learning, um, it's going to make a huge impactful difference in your life. So definitely reach out to me tell me your experience with putting theories into practice. I would love to hear someone else's experience besides mine. <laughs> it would be really cool to hear how some of you out there have taken theory, put it into practice and either abandoned maybe a theory that you had that you realize now is false or you developed an even stronger level of faith because it's not just blind faith or it's not just, you know, something that somebody else told you, but you put it into practice and you see that it actually works. So that is it for this week. All of my artists, my writers, my performers, and my creatives go out there, be like Leonardo and put some theories into practice. So until next week, have a, a beautiful and wonderful day. Bye-bye.